You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Deborah Grabian. She's the author of the J.P. Kincaid Mystery Series, which consists of Rock and Roll Never Forgets. While My Guitar Gently Weeps, her newest book in that series is London Calling. She's the author of the Haunted Ballad Mystery Series, which includes New Slain Knight, Cruel Sister, Maddie Groves, The Famous Flower of Serving Men, The Weaver and the Factory Maid. She's also the author of Plain Song and Eyes in the Fire. She has a new YA novel out called Dark's Tale. And uh, she's also just started a new publishing company. Thank you for joining me, Deborah. Hi, pleasure to be here. Deborah, let's uh, talk about the YA novel first. That's a pretty interesting perspective. You're taking on the tale of a San Francisco street cat. Well, she's not actually a street cat. Um, a little bit of history here. My husband and I have been part of the SPCA's TNR program in Golden Gate Park. That's Trap New to Release. Um, for, oh God, coming on 12 years, one of the cats that we took care of was an abandoned house cat named, uh, that we, her name was Dark. It was just, she was pure black. Um, very special little cat. And in the middle of all this, the park became infested with coyotes. Um, bef- before all the animal rights people come and kill me because I'm an anim- animal welfare person, I like coyotes, just not in Golden Gate Park, which is a man-made environment with a very specific biosystem, and they played havoc. Um, things like the possums disappeared, and when the possums disappeared, so did any means of controlling the insect population without toxic chemicals, because that's what possums eat. With the possums gone, the park now has to use toxic chemicals. That goes up the food chain. But, of course, my personal thing was that they were eating the cats. Not acceptable. And uh, the story sort of percolated in my head for a while, and... I realized that Dark had to tell it herself. So it's it's an urban fantasy because I firmly believe that Golden Gate Park has some interesting things in it, and I think it's haunted. So Dark deals with that as well. But it's about loyalty and trust and some of the grand themes. How do you know who to trust? Are you willing to trust again after you've been betrayed or let down or abandoned? And and learning learning about what friendship is. And it's for the sort of the tweener years. It's basically it's marketed as being for the, the sort of mid grade, the ten to thirteen year old. But a savvy, intelligent eight-year-old gets it just fine, trust me. Now, you also have a new uh, novel in the J.P. Kincaid series, London Calling, where to the clash in the, the new wave punk years. I, I, those were some of my favorite. Tell us what uh, brought us to that era. Well, the thing is, is that every title in this series, uh, same with the haunted ballads, they're not just randomly picked. They actually relate to the story. And what London Calling deals with is modern racism and how music deals with it. Uh, specifically, there is a you know 30-year-old rockumentary that, that was filmed and was, was so badly done that the band refused to give clearance for it to be shown. It's languished all these years. The director, who is now in his 80s, who lives in the south of France, um, has cleaned it up and wants to release it. And all hell breaks loose uh, because the version that he screens is not the version that they saw and approved. Um, but the thing is, is that a lot of it takes place at the Cannes Film Festival. The south of France is uh, is one of those areas that has a, a there was a, a, a really awful party, a political party in France called the Le Paniste. Um, and the guy in charge of this party, you know, used to actually sell copies of Mein Kampf on street corners. I mean, this is how far right wing he is. 
um, he's just totally Nazi and completely awful. And a couple of townships down in the south, which is, I mean, Provence is beautiful. It's, it's languid and, and orange-scented, and you have the Mediterranean Sea and whatnot. But they were economically very depressed. There was a huge wave of immigration from former French colonies in Africa. And while I was actually writing this book, you may remember this from a few years ago, all hell broke loose in France. Two Muslim kids in Paris were hiding from the cops, and they hid in a, um, a power station, accidentally got electrocuted, and France went ballistic. It just melted down. There were riots, and, you know, that happened while I was writing this, so it was very, very timely. But just the concept that, I mean, if you, if you know your if you know your original song and your Clash and your Lenten Calling, you'll know that the Clash were not a skinhead band. I mean, for a while they were the idol of all these these you know the National Front kids in London, and the Clash themselves were like, uh, hi, we're not racists, we're on the other side of that, and you're idiots, you know, and and thank you, Joe Strummer. So yeah, it was it was a very apropos thing to be doing, and um, and dealt with what was going on and what is still going on, unfortunately. You are also working on a new publishing concern. Uh, tell us about what led you to do this. What made you think it was economical to start your own publishing company? Ah, uh, yes, the grand question. Um, I am sitting in the seat where a lot of authors are sitting right now in that we are looking at mainstream publish- publishing and thinking they're doomed if they don't figure it out soon. Um, publishing over the years seems to have migrated to a bestseller-only mindset. I mean, you look at the look at the, uh, the the deals that are being made, and somebody just handed Demi Moore two million dollars for her autobiography. So it's cult of celebrity bestseller out the door. And if they put all their eggs in one basket and it doesn't go bestseller, then everybody is hosed. That's just the way it is. Um, classic example of that in recent years was Mar- you know Mary Cheney's autobiography. What it's like growing up, you know, gay in the house of Dick Cheney. Well, they paid her a million-dollar advance, and I think it was a 500,000 hardback, hard-copy first print run, and the book sold 6,000 copies. So A, they take a bath, and B, every other author on that house takes a bath because there is no money for publicity, no money for advances, no money for anything. They also have no clue what to do about e-books. And just basically, you know what? Um... I don't need the validation. I had 13 novels out on mainstream publishing. You know, I've, I've been Bantam and Fawcett and St. Martin's and Macmillan. Mm, I kind of want to take control of my own stuff. And I want to put stuff out there that I'm not seeing that is not getting bought that should be out there because people are busy putting out Demi Moore's autobiography. You know, and uh, not really. Mostly what we're doing, and I mean what we have is a, is a it's called Plus One Press. And it is largely about music-related subjects, but not entirely. Um, it has will have three imprints, plus one which is the main fiction for novel-length fiction, anthology fiction, etc. Um, Backstage Press, which is nonfiction, um, and we are bringing out in the spring Julian Dawson's biography, monumental look at the culture of, of 40 years of rock and roll. Uh, his biography of Nicky Hopkins, who was Rock's most prolific sessions man, played with everybody. I mean, there was no Rolling Stones or Kinks or Who or Jefferson Airplane without Nicky Hopkins. And nobody wanted this book because it wasn't about Mick Jagger. Well, you know, somebody offered Mick uh, $5 million to write a book a few years ago or something, and he returned the advance because he said he couldn't remember enough about it to write anything. On the other hand, what we have here is an incredible book, and um, we're, we are delighted to be bringing that out. Uh, We're bringing out our first young adult, which is on the third imprint, which is called Conservatory Press. And it is the amazing adventures, or possibly the incredible adventures, of Sam the Bat. And this is for the sort of 8 to 10-year-old. 
And this is about a young bat, a young Mexican free-tailed bat named Sam, who loses most of his family in a cave-in and goes off around the world on adventures trying to find the mythical colony that his mother had told him about, the rest of his tribe, who relocated when there was a drought many years ago under a bridge and where they are living happily today. And, oh, does he find some cities with bridges, Paris and London, and he goes to the Amazonian rainforest, and he winds up by accident in Sydney, Australia. And it's one of those one of those books. And uh, we are bringing that out at Halloween. He is... Uh, very much, we're very much looking forward to that, making a big splash with that. Alice and will be Alice and Beatrice, who wrote it, uh, has a nonfiction book out a couple of years ago called "Will the Vampire People Please Leave the Lobby?" Series of very Sarah Vowell-esque essays um, about life and fandom, and how fandom and the internet are redefining the concept of modern family and community. So we are, and of course, my own two Kincaids, next two Kincaids are coming out on our press because I want control of it. So uh, we are a real press. We buy manuscripts and properties. We pay real advances and real royalties, you know, and that's what we do. I'm thinking essentially that the fact that we are author-friendly and are building personal relationships with libraries, local bookstores, etc., and are not counting on a bestseller, you know, that we're not in this to get rich. We're in this to produce great books probably gives us uh, an edge. Yeah, well, that's an interesting business model. Now, um, could you talk uh, about some of the, the logistics of doing this? Mate, did you set up an LLC? Uh, and did you, um, how are you actually printing the books? Well, this is, I think for this one, you actually want my husband who is sitting at the back of the building here because he is the, he is the publisher. You know, when it comes, for instance, when it comes to, you know, my stuff, I stay out of the money end of this entirely. Um, we are working through, what are, what are they called? It's not. It's 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 a Baker and Taylor's new model, and um, it's will we will be varying. Some of them will be uh, POD. Some of them will be hardback and offset press, depending on the book. Uh, I wanted, for instance, the first two Kincaids, which St. Martin's Minotaur brought out, were brought out in hardback, and it is almost impossible to sell a twenty-five dollar hardback in a bookstore these days in this economy. You know, you just can't. We wanted paperback. They don't do paperback, so. We're doing ours in trade paper. In fact, Nick has just moved down to closer. But, uh, you know, yes, we have, it's, this is a, it's a limited corporation. It's, you know, we have, we're, we're licensed, we're tax ID'd, we're filed, we have bank account, we have the PR, we have the website, we are totally legal and enabled and everything else. And there you go. Well, that, that sounds like a, a, a great idea. When you're, when you're, um, moving these books to the bookstores is this a kind of a, a, a personal thing where you and and your husband call up the, the owners the, are they you selling these to bookstores you know I'm selling them to bookstores period I mean this is the nice thing about leading with an author who has a track record um, I already have books in borders I already have books in Barnes and Noble um, indie bookstores love me. The mystery community knows me and loves me because I've been writing mysteries for a while. And these are bookstores where I'm already hearing from them. Uh, we have rather disconcertingly lost a couple, but not surprisingly, lost a couple or, or in the process of losing a couple of really established local indie bookstores. Lafayette Books is closing. Uh, and we just lost Clayton Books because the owner of the mall, who is the store who lives in Florida, said, well, I, ju I just bought a Kindle, and I don't think anybody's ever going to buy paper books again, so I'm going to put a dentist in that space instead. E yeah, you know, there are days you just kind of despair of your species. <laughs> but, uh, no, we, we 
one of one of our one of our credos is that every author is going to get the same you know amount of attention and publicity and budget, um, and we will be targeting specifically um, Allison's book, which is which is very much you know a YA fantasy, um, comes out at Halloween, perfect for a story about a bat, and uh, we're looking at you know making sure that we have copies of the book in in all of you know the registration bags for um, World Fantasy, which happens every Halloween this year. It's in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, we can, you know, we'll get her if she can get out there. We will get, we will buy her a membership. We will, you know, make sure that she, you know, has meetings with because that's where business gets done, uh, with bookstore owners uh, who all come to World Fantasy. We will target for the individual book. Uh, for Julian's book in the spring, for instance, there's going to be a lot of talking to the buyers for uh, Fye, the uh, the entertainment chain. Um, hopefully, uh, doing some kickoff stuff at the Hall of Fame bookstore. Um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, because this is a, a, a you know a nonfiction. They don't carry fiction, which is a pity. <laughs> I would love to see mine in there. They're about rock and roll, but uh, the Hall of Fame carries no fiction at all. It's all nonfiction and music. So uh, we target the the individual publicity you know push for given books. Is gonna it depends on each book. We personalize it and we take it to those stores and those outlets. But we are not depending on online only. This is. Now, you said uh, the, the traditional publishers don't know what to do about ebooks. Do you? Uh, yeah, I think we have a better idea. Well, are you going to give them away? That's the Cory Doctorow model. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a start. Well, I mean, one of the things that I'm going to be doing is, um, well, for, well, first of all, full enhanced, full enhanced ebooks, and the publishers are having. This this is one where we could go on for two or three hours, and and we just don't have the two or three hours to do it. What we want to do with the ebooks is put out an enhanced model, not a year later. You know, most most publishers are going, well, we don't want to do this. But if you put out an enhanced one with 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 special bits and extra stuff, it's going to compete with the with the, with, the, with the print model. No, not if you do it right. You know, and you just they will they will sort out what they're doing with ebooks eventually. But I don't want to wait for eventually. You know, we, we know how we want to do ours. Um, ditto, you know, ditto with audiobooks. The problem is, is that at the moment, because publishers are so paranoid about what's going to sell and what isn't, they will demand, when writing a contract with an author, they will demand all the rights. We want to keep this, we want to keep that, we want to keep this, we want to keep that. And then if the book is not a bestseller out the gate, they don't do anything with those rights. Well... You're, as, as a publisher, you're creating your own problem there, you know? Turn loose of the rights and let the author do it because that will enhance the original sales, the hardback sales. No, 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 no. Those are our rights. You know, they're squatting on them like some kind of demented, broody, rabid hen. And I'm hearing this story from all over mainstream publishing, and it's just like, okay, well, y'all have a good time over there. We're, we're, we're going to do it slightly differently. I mean, this is... To talk more to talk more about plus one seriously, you would want the publisher on this one as opposed to just you know the the co-founder and, and editor because I do a lot of editorial stuff on books that aren't mine. We have an acquisitions editor, Jacqueline Smay, um, and she her her husband is a music writer, and um, so far so good. I mean, we have been looking at looking at properties and buying properties, and uh, at the moment we're we're in the black, and that's a good thing. I've been speaking with Deborah Grabian. Her latest J.P. Kincaid novel is A London Calling. It comes out August 15th. Her new YA novel is Dark's Tale, and she's also the co-founder of Plus One Press. Thank you for joining me, Deborah. You betcha. Thanks for having me on.
You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.